First reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 to 23. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If you think that you are wise in this age, you should become fools, so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast about human leaders, for all things are yours. Whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand. The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke in the first chapter, beginning at the 26th verse. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. 
Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The Gospel of Christ. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Remaining standing, let's pray. Loving Father, implant your word within us this morning that we may shine with your light. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. It's hard to emphasize enough how ordinary it all was. The town of Nazareth, far from the hubbub of Jerusalem, a quiet town where nothing important ever really happened, a regular day, an ordinary family living an ordinary life, a young girl engaged to be married but not yet married, still living with her family, taking part in normal household activities. There is nothing remarkable about this scene. And then a stranger shows up. And we don't know what he looks like, whether he looks like a human, like so many angels do, or whether he looks otherworldly and terrifying, like many other angels. Whether he asks directions to Mary's house, or whether he suddenly appears in front of her in a beam of light before delivering his message. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Last week, we began our new sermon series, Working Through the Gospel of Luke. Luke is a wonderful gospel for his focus on the outsider, those whose voices wouldn't normally be paid attention to. The gospel shows Jesus' heart for the other and the good news for everyone across all social barriers. And that very attention to the voices of the powerless and the marginalized gives us a unique insight into the story of Jesus' birth. Because Luke is the only person to record it from Mary's perspective. And because of this, we are able to see this as the story of a person who would have been regarded in her day as inconsequential, unimportant by all the standards of the day, and yet who, through the grace and power of God, was able to play an integral part in the salvation of humanity. It's a story of what can happen when our feeble, limited, broken humanity is met by God's grace and omnipotence. It's a story of what we can happen when we say yes to the word implanted in us, which has the power to save. And no matter who we are, and no matter what our circumstances today, this is a story of hope. To Christians across the world and down through time, Mary's name rings through history. She is forever revered as the one who knows Jesus, not just as her Lord, but as her son. She's set apart and unique, upheld as the Theotokos, the God-bearer, the one who said yes. But during her lifetime, and especially at the time Luke's gospel starts, Mary was of a demographic that would have had the least influence in her day. She was young, in a society that valued age. She was poor where wealth meant a sign of God's merited favor, female when all the voices of power were male, 
and still unwed and childless, although betrothed. And on top of all that, she was from a backwater town in Galilee. Luke's account calls Nazareth a city, but that was simply to, to distinguish it from the smaller villages around. Years later, one of Jesus' future disciples would scoff, can anything good come from Nazareth? And so if we think of some of the people whose voices struggle to be heard in the noise of today, racialized individuals, people with less education or money, people with no friends in high places, Mary might have been the equivalent. And yet Luke centers his story around her. This seemingly insignificant person, whose voice would have been lost had it not been for the gospel that pays attention to the powerless. And Luke holds Mary as a person of honor by how he tells this, the story of her call and her commission. Throughout history, God has commissioned particular individuals for particular tasks. Moses was commissioned to lead the people out of Egypt. Gideon was commissioned to be the leader of the resistance when Israel was occupied by Midian in the days when they had no king. Jeremiah was commissioned as a prophet to speak the word of the Lord to the people in exile. And when each of these people were called to their specific tasks, it followed the same pattern. God or a messenger from God shows up unexpectedly wherever they are. He offers a personal greeting. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior, he says to Gideon. He commissions them to their task. Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Gideon, go and save Israel. Jeremiah, go, say to the people. Each of them, in turn, raises an objection. I can't speak well enough. My family is too young. I'm too young. Or my family is too small. I'm too young. Each of them knows instinctively that they won't be able to succeed at this appointed task through their own strength and ability. And then each of them is given a reassurance that that doesn't matter because they aren't chosen by merit but by grace. And they don't need to do this on their own strength because God is with them. And his strength is what will see it through. And then each of them is given a sign to show them that God truly is with them. Moses' staff becomes a snake. Gideon's dry fleece becomes wet and then vice versa. And Jeremiah is given visions. There are other ways that people are called through time. But now, centuries later, after the last prophets have fallen silent, we see a young girl in a small town commissioned in exactly the same way as these three leaders. And she's given the greatest of tasks. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and he will be the son of the Most High, and he will rule forever. Mary, like Moses and Gideon and Jeremiah, issues an objection. And there are many objections that she could have raised because this is a huge ask, and it would have been a huge risk. According to the laws against adultery in the day, Mary could have been stoned for being caught pregnant outside of marriage. She could have been divorced by Joseph, a move that would likely have left her destitute. And regardless, becoming pregnant before marriage would have overtaken her life and been an immense complication. She would have been looked down on. 
rejected in society, her reputation ruined. But astonishingly, the only objection that Mary offers is none of these things, but simply that it isn't possible to get pregnant on her own. She's a virgin. She doesn't have the power for this. And in return, the angel reassures her with the same reassurance that he offered Moses and Gideon and Jeremiah. God is here. God is in this with her. And the child will not just be hers, but will be God's. And then in the pattern of old, in the same way, he offers her a sign. Her elderly relative, Elizabeth, is pregnant, even now, after years of barrenness, because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. To Mary, who would have grown up on stories of her faith, told over and over and over, these words would have reminded her of another time and place where God did the impossible and a woman became pregnant. Abraham and Sarah, the great patriarch and matriarch of the Israelite people, were well past childbearing years when the angel of the Lord showed up to them and told Sarah she would become pregnant because nothing was too hard for the Lord. And maybe that reminder, as much as the sign of Elizabeth that was offered, was enough for this young girl in her courage and her humility and her wisdom to simply say, let it be to me as you have said. Thy will be done. You know the moment when you hear the news of something that feels too good to be true, that is almost unbelievable? The stillness, the fear that you've misheard, the objections you raise just to have them quashed so that the news might become even more real. That's what this moment was and is and always will be, not just for Mary, but for each one of us. This moment of Mary offering herself up offering her body up completely to God, not knowing what would come of it, but trusting that when the psalmist said, this God, his way is perfect, he was speaking the truth. This moment of Mary accepting the word, Jesus, implanted in her, bringing hope to all humanity. I can imagine the heavens completely silent in awe at this moment. An ancient writer wrote this hymn of praise. Wonder. God is come among humanity. He who cannot be contained is contained in a womb. The timeless enters time and great mystery. His conception is without seed, his emptying past telling. So great is this mystery. And you know that this story, this commission, is not just about Mary. Because of her choice, because Jesus became an embryo in her womb, because he was born and lived and died and rose again, this story is also about us. It's an ongoing invitation to each of us because each of us is offered the same choice that Mary made. Will you accept the word 
implanted in you which has the power to save you? Will you agree to let Jesus take over your life completely and do with it what he wills, no matter how disruptive it may be? Will you allow him free reign over every aspect of your body and your soul? Will you allow God to make his home in you, to allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in you? This is no less all-encompassing a call than Mary's was. As we say yes to God, as we with Mary dare to say, let it be to me as you have said, God dares to put himself in us, to entrust himself to us as temples of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul writes to the believers in Corinth, telling them, don't you know that you are God's temple? God dwells in you. With Mary, we are taking on this immense, incredible role of becoming God-bearers light bearers in a world that desperately needs it. And no matter what objections this may raise in you today, no matter what barriers you may see to this being true for you today, those objections will always be met with the same reassurance that was given to Mary and to Moses and to Gideon and Jeremiah and Sarah and Elizabeth and all the people across time who have had the impossible happen in them and through them. Because God says, I am with you. It is my power working in you that can do infinitely more than you can ask or imagine. Bishop Tom Wright says this, Mary is the supreme example of what always happens when God is at work by grace through human beings. God's power from outside and the indwelling spirit within together result in things being done which would have been unthinkable in any other way. This is our God. Our God who comes to us. Our God who does the unthinkable, the unimaginable through us, through our limited, feeble, sinful human selves. Each of us taking our own unique part in his plan of salvation, allowing his kingdom to grow in us and through us to the world. Each of us shining in our own unique way with his light. So shine, God-bearer. Bring people the hope that they so desperately need. Because together, we can affirm the truth of these words. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God, from generation to generation, in the church and in Christ Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.